Easy. Ja, ja. Daar is Klaassen. Hello, welcome to podcast 58 from Football Adania, your home of Dutch football. I'm Michael Statham and I'm with Mike Bell today to talk everything Dutch football from the Eredivisie to the Dutch national team. You're listening to us on either YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes or Football Nation Radio. Please continue to show us your support. We really appreciate it and it helps us continue to grow if you're liking, subscribing and sharing our podcast with your friends. Mike, we had a uh, big news this week. There was a Netherlands squad announcement for the upcoming games in September. And I was go- I was wondering if what you thought about this squad and should there have been more names included in the squad? Because I know for my- myself that I was looking forward to seeing Calvin Stengs included in the squad, Myron Boado too, but they've been left in the under-21 squad. Were you disappointed like me? Um, yeah, I was um, very disappointed in some of the choices that Cummins made. It's understandable going by what he said in the past about wanting to keep the same squad together, keep it tight-knit, um, go with the same names that he's really gone with in the past and the ones that have got us to the stage where Netherlands are back to being close to competing with some of the best nations in, in Europe. But if you look at some of the selections, they just they don't make sense to me. Like... Joe Veltman, I, I don't think you'd find many Ajax fans that have said that he's had a great season so far. It's been disappointing for me. And Fadi just finds himself back in an Netherlands squad after four or five games this season that he's not really looked great. It's worrying for me, especially if he's a cover at right back or a centre back. And I know he might fall out because it's only a professional squad. But I don't see what Cummins, that's the reason why Cummins picked him. And the same goes with Kevin Strutman, who's been awful for club and country for the past few years and just keeps getting picked and you want to see some of these younger players get a chance like Toon Koopminers for me he's been excellent for AZ so far this season he could come in and he could take Strutman's place he might not play but at least he gets the experience he can train with the players and come in can get an eye on him see if he's ready for potentially Euro 2020 or after that and yeah just it's just a bit of a boring squad for me. Daniel Mallon's been excellent for PSV so far this season. He definitely deserves to be in there, but I wanted to see some some new faces. And yeah, we just didn't really get that. We just got a bit of the same old. And it's a bit worrying because I don't think that there's many players in great form so far that would really get me excited to say that we're going to really challenge Germany away from home. I see your opinion, Mike. And when I originally tweeted a reaction to this, um, at first, I was really excited. Uh, uh, sorry, really disappointed that there were no big, like young players that are, that were coming through. For example, these RZ players. But then I took a moment and realised that these are two big Euro qualification games. It's Germany away and Estonia away. It's I'm not sure it's the right place for playing debutants. We saw what happened with Matthias de Ligt when he was given his debut at 17, um, and he spell disaster for him so actually is Ronald Koeman is, is there more to it than we can see and Ronald Koeman selecting for example Stoltman um Conkolo as well who I don't think is on the best of form he's playing the championship with Huddersfield he's selecting these players perhaps because he knows them well but also because they might be offering something around the squad in general isn't that more pragmatism from Ronald Koeman you could see like that um <clears throat> but I mean Picking players are not informed just because you know them isn't really a, a great tactic because 
performance now, he's already just going to improve overnight just because he's in everyone's squad. And you, know, you want to see the best players in the best form called up to the national teams. You want to see players playing with confidence. And you can't say Congo, Strutman, these players are playing with confidence at the moment or not. And you know, it's not going to change if we get walked by Germany because these are the options that he has on the bench. Um, you know, these fresh legs, these fresh faces, these ones that have something to prove have done well for AZ. I just think there's a bit of a, not like a divide, but in the Netherlands, you see players from PSV and Ajax. If, for me, if Boadu was doing what he's doing now in a PSV shirt or an Ajax shirt, he'd be in that squad right now. I think there's just a bit of bias that it's an AZ Alkmaar player and he's not seen as at the level of an Ajax and PSV at the moment. So I think if you put Steins, Coop Miners or Boadu in a PSV shirt, they'd be in the squad. And I don't think that's right. I think it should be best players picked up on, on form. It should well be that players are picked on form, yeah, rather than their reputation in the past. Um, and there's more to it than that as well. There's Diego Bisesvar. He's 31, but he wasn't picked for this national team squad either. Um, it was a question from Mike. Thank you to everyone that sent in their questions on Twitter. There's more and more questions coming all the time. We really appreciate them coming in. And Mike said on Twitter, uh, despite his age, Diego Bisesvar doesn't deserve a chance. Ronald Koeman gave it to Ruud Vorma on multiple, multiple occasions in the past, didn't he? I agree with you, Mike. And he's looked to Belgium in the past for other Dutch players. Why not Greece as well and Bisesvar? Uh, not for me. I think you can have two good games, but, you know, Bisesvar, he's not done over a, a whole season that Ruud Vorma did. He was a shining light in the Club Rouge side that, won the league, he was, you know, player of the season, he was scoring 20, 30 goals. Um, he deserved his call-up because he earned it. You know, two games against Ajax where he scored a couple of goals doesn't automatically entitle you to uh, an Evans call-up. And at 31, he's been a bit of a journeyman around his career and he's not really done much so far. So, I mean, if Kumin called him up after two good games, you know, I don't think many people would have understood it and I wouldn't have understood it over somebody like a Stengs or a boy who has his whole career ahead of him. Um, why would you go for someone that's 31 just because it's got two goals? Good point. Uh, and there's two more questions here relating to the striker issue with the Netherlands, which is a common um, theme in our podcast sometimes. But the situation, the climate keeps changing on who could be the striker for the Netherlands. For example, um, Stan asked, do you think Marlon Obawadu is better suited to play as a number nine in this Netherlands side. We also had a question from Espreme Alaranja. Oh, that's my awful Spanish accent. Does Alaranja really need a striker? If it does, who? Vekhorst, Luke Jong, or even Myron Boadu? Who is the best option at the minute, Mike? And um, out of those young strikers, we've seen Myron Boadu, Daniel Marlin. Who could be the long-term answer? For me, I'm really excited to see Marlin in the Netherlands shirt. I think he's got something that Neverland's attack doesn't really have at the moment, and that's just blistering pace and the ability to just breeze past defenders. He's a bit of a bully as well, and I think that's going to be something that Neverland's can use to their advantage in these upcoming games, especially against teams like Estonia away in Northern Ireland. These tight defences, somebody that's got just that little bit extra about them, like a Malin, who can bully a defender out of the way, can really breeze past them. Whereas, you know, Memphis Depay, Stephen Bergvine, 
Quincy Promise, Berghaus, they're great on the ball, they're great dribblers, but they've not got that really, really fast pace that Marlon has. And I'm hoping that he stays in the squad and he could be an option for Kuman. I can even see Kuman playing him on the wing. He's done it for PSV before this season when Luke De Jong was still there. Marlon was on the wing. Use his pace to, to really trouble upcoming games. I think Bordeaux is a huge talent. I'd like to see him in the squad. Um, he's quite similar to what Memphis Depay and Marlon would be. Whereas a big horse to Luke de Jong is basically if you're losing, you put him on in the last 20 minutes, he's a big guy in the box trying to get crosses to. I think Kuman said that in the past about why he doesn't pick both Luke de Jong and Weg horses, basically because they're the same type of player and he doesn't want two of them in the squad. I think right now, I think Luke de Jong's had an okay start in in Spain, but Weg horse has already scored in the Bundesliga. And I think that you know, one day he's got to be given a chance if he keeps scoring in Germany. You know, I don't know why Kuman doesn't give him a couple of games because he's going to start with Memphis Depay. He's going to be the starting striker for the next two games, and you know maybe just bring Wakehorse in and see what he does off the bench because they know what Luke De Jong can bring to the bring to the squad. Memphis Depay for me has always been someone who I've really enjoyed seeing in the striker's position, and I'm not sure it's something Ronald Kuman's going to change. Um, rather, unfortunately. Because it would be nice to see the Netherlands try something a little bit different. Um, particularly when you can see that Wout Weghorst has made such a good impression in the Bundesliga. It's a shame we can't see him given a chance because you could build a whole different Netherlands side around Weghorst. He's a different type, kind of striker and he's proving how important he is um, with, with his style of play um, in Germany. So what, why, why can't we see something different there? Well... I think Kuman's kind of hinted at it with his squad choices already, that he's sticking with what he knows and he's not going to change much about the formation. Now, even though he did in the past, Kuman did originally play five at the back, but now he's got the Netherlands' confidence back and in the way that they can attack with their pacey forward players. I think the 4-3-3 is the way forward. Um, we had a question about this, actually, about whether the 4-3-3 away from home, I think this is relating to the Germany away match, is realistic? Can the Netherlands play that 4-3-3 again away at Germany or will they have to try something different? It's a tough match. It is a tough match for me and you know, Kimmin, he really championed that 5-3-2 before you know, Van Howe took it to the World Cup in 2014. He was doing it with Feyenoord back then and he knows our system very well and you know, this Germany side, it wasn't the same one that Neverland faced before this Germany side's got a bit more confidence but it's got a lot of young talents coming through and you saw in the reverse fixture when they won in Amsterdam you know it's, it's gonna be a big test for Netherlands this one and you know 4-3-3 if he winds up with that it's a it's a signal of intent that he's planning on attack in Germany um, and that's what Netherlands fans are going to want to see because there's no point in sitting deep against this Germany side and just going and taking a loss <coughs> so I'd like to see Kuman stick with 4 3 because that's basically after the Germany game everyone's going to be playing against sides that it really should be beaten so there's no point in changing the tactics for one game and reversing it for sides like Estonia, Northern Ireland um, these games and everyone should be hoping to, to break down these defences so if he goes to 4 3 it's a signal of intent that he's going to Germany to try and get a result and a win and stick with it because it worked and it can work now. Just uh, yeah, it's just to hope that Germany have an off night that night. 
question from Abdul here. Do we expect any changes in the starting lineup of the Netherlands? For me, the only one would be on the, the wing side. So I think Memphis will start up front and you've got Bergvine, I expect him to start. And then Kim and Rainey to decide who winds up on the other one. If it was going to be, say, for instance, instance Ryan Babel or Quincy Promise or who I want to see, which is Malin. Um, Given the start, that's one I would like to see. But other than that, I think it's pretty much nailed on what the starting lineup is going to be, especially now that Donny van der Beek is out injured. Yeah, we've we're unlikely to see a change from the team that lost in the Nations League final to Portugal, um, and it was Celestin in goal. Uh, Blint was at left back, Van Dijk and De Ligt at centre back, Dumfries at right back, um, Derone and Frank Diong were in midfield, along with Van Aldem who was slightly further forward. Babel and Burke find the wings, and Depay up front. I think to point about Babel and Marlon perhaps in the left wing. Marlon's an exciting choice and. I think he'll be given the chance against Estonia. I think it's one of those where Babel is probably going to play for his experience and defensive work rate um, down that left-hand side to work with Blint. But I just wanted to point out at right-back, Mike, um, Denzel Dumfries, before we started the podcast, we're having a little chat about him because uh, he's the undisputed starting right-back for the Netherlands. And he does play every week for PSV. Well, we were saying, weren't we, that maybe he hasn't quite kicked on for PSV. Um, and we were saying, oh, wow, he's got the potential to be uh, the, the regular Netherlands left-back. He's He does this good, that good. But now it's his position's a little bit at risk, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, for me, he's just not really learned as quickly how to defend as I was hoping. Um, he's great going forward. He likes to burst into the box, he scores goals for, for PSV and his link-up play on the wing is, is great, but he gets caught out of position too much for me and that, that's my big worry is that he leaves gaps in behind him and against a side like Germany, who have quick players and smart players, they might notice that and exploit it. We've seen it happen for PSV this season already um, in the Europa League. There's a few times where Dumfries has been caught out and I just want him to learn a bit more you know, defensive now because then I think that's just what's missing from his game and what could separate him from being you know, a really, really top class right back is just learning when not to go forward and when to just sit deep and protect the back four. But, you know, Kimmon has the options now. He's got Hatteboer. Um, we'll see how he starts the season with Atalanta. And Rick Carr's drops now back at Feyenoord, so I think eventually he will become an option on the right-hand side. Car stops an interesting option. I just want to go back on uh, the point about Hartabur. It's a question from Muayad, and he said he, Hans Hartabur is much better than Denzel Dumfries. Um, why is he not given enough playing time with the Netherlands? I think that's um, a little bit harsh. I'm not sure. Have you have you seen something from Hartabur, Mike, to suggest that he could be the starting right back? I can't say I've watched a lot of Atlanta games. Um... You know, he gets sometimes rave reviews for them and scores goals for them. But but when he plays for the Netherlands, he's just been really poor. And there's nothing that I've seen while he's in an Orania shirt that tells me that he's better than Dumfries like going forward or at the back. Um, so right now, I'd have to go with Dumfries. But yeah, I'm not an expert on Atlanta, so I don't really know how he plays for them. But from what I've seen him in a Netherlands shirt, Dumfries is definitely... More of an option for me. 
Aserik Karstorp, um, he had a tough spell in Italy, didn't he? Tough injuries, but he gave um, a rather revealing interview, didn't he? About how he found it so difficult to play in Syria um, and for Roma. And he didn't seem to have many friends in the squad. And I think he, he kind of finished that interview by saying, good luck to any players that wish to go and play abroad. Because it's it's really tough, isn't it? Yeah, Um and, you know, for me, when it happened, it seemed to me to be an absolutely brilliant move for Karsdorp. He went over there as, you know, Nervon's right back. He was, he was confident. He was an absolute special player. But, yeah, then injury problems came in. He, he's clearly just not integrated into that squad. He's clearly not settled there. And it's a shame to see because that could have been a great move for him. And now he's back in the Nervon's back where he, he knows he's, he's popular at Feyenoord. He's, he's loved by the fans. He's a real club boy there and um, I think he's going to do really well this season I would not be surprised not in this squad he's not in this squad because he's getting back to full fitness but the next time I wouldn't be surprised if Kimmon names him in the, in the squad He's working really hard and he's getting his fitness back with Feyenoord yeah it's good to see and let's hope that he gets back to his 100% very soon One last question about the Netherlands then before we talk about more Dutch club news It's from Martin should we read into Matthijs de Ligt not playing his first game for Juventus? For me, no. Um, you know, Juventus have Benucci and Chiellini as their centre-back duo. And the Italian press haven't been very nice about de Ligt's performances in pre-season so far. I think it's maybe just a bit of a wake-up call from their coach to be like, look, you need to try, you need to, when you're placing my squad, I'm not just going to give you... The starting spot because we paid 75 million for you. I think that's good for Delict. He now knows that he's got two, you know, world class centre backs to compete with, and he needs to bring his top form because if he doesn't, then he's not going to get into the side. Um, and I think that can only be a good thing because if he had just been given his debut after some poor performances in pre-season and then made a mistake, it could have been confidence shattering for him. Um, so I think it's just it's the first game of the season. If it gets to you know, November and December and collect still on the bench, then yeah, it's a bit worrying. But right now, I wouldn't be too worried about it. Yeah, it's really early days for Delict and I'm sure in good time, he's going to be a regular for Juventus and he's going to be, um, yeah, standing out on the big stage very soon. Let's go on to club news. We've got a few things to talk about. Um, a lot of people sent some <coughs> questions in about RZ, um, things about Ajax, Europa League. We've got some things about the Eredivisie as well including AKC, who've come up new promoted team. I think let's start by talking about some of the Europa League results this week. If you're listening to this and these results have already happened, um, I think we can safely say, hopefully, though, that PSV and final are safely through to the group stages of the Europa League, which is good news for Dutch football. But Ajax having a tough time against Applewell. Um, what was the, the issues there with Ajax and... You know, on, on Twitter, for example, after the game, I, I was quick to perhaps point the finger at Martinez, new centre-back, because he's been given rave reviews by some. I know you're a fan, aren't you, Mike? Uh, and there's many things that I can see about Martinez, which I really like. Uh, but I think he's better suited to a defence midfield position or a left-back position, particularly in defence midfield, which, at the minute, I think Ajax are lacking. They're, they're really missing Frank de Jong, but also in defence, they're really missing De Ligt. He's big physical presence. Do you agree with that assessment, Mike? And can you defend Martinez? 
yeah, can. I think that if you look at the Ajax side that through that game, the biggest problems for me were Joel Beltman and Marine in midfield. Uh, Martinez, for me, he's, he's like a raging bull, and I like that. He, he's quick to snap into tackles. He he gets himself about, and he's an all-action centre-back. And I agree that coming towards, once Edson Alvarez is fit, I'd like to see him in the centre-back positions, and I really like Per Scurs. But until Martinez can go into different positions, I think that he wasn't the problem. I think it was Joe Veltman beside him is really poor. And I said earlier on, I don't understand why he's in the Netherlands squad. He's, just, he's lacking like, pace, lacks height, he lacks everything to be a, a good centre-back. And Martinez is sometimes having to cover for him, might sometimes fill my position. Um, I agree that Martinez could go into the defensive midfield part. And he could even switch him with Daley Blind, put Daley Blind in the centre-back position next to Alvarez or Scurs, move Martinez a bit forward, he might be a bit more all-action. But I just think that Ten Hag's not got his selection right, and it's because Veltman plays and because Marine plays. Them two players so far have been awful for me this season, and they're really lacking in midfield because Marine was meant to be the replacement for Frankie de Jong. And then you had Carol Eiting, who was meant to be Come into the side, but he's now injured. On Carol Lighting, though, he's um, he's a player that's been injured for so long, and people seem to be asking us all the time, "When's he going to be back?" And there's still not a lot of news, is there? No, he's got any injury, and um, he was close to coming back, but then suffered a, a relapse with it, and it really isn't really a comeback date on it. I don't think Ajax want to rush him back because. He's such an important player for him and he's such a talented youngster that they're just going to let him get back to full fitness. But if I was Ten Hag right now, you know, there's still six days left in the transfer window, I'd be urging Mark Overmarch to try and sign another midfielder because right now it's early days, but from what I've seen of Marine, he might go down as another Magellan in the future. I know that there's a poor already out there to try to sell Magellan after, was it, six months because he's just not turned out to be the player that they, they thought they were getting. And right now, Marine looks in that mode as well. He's still young, but for what Ajax need and what Ajax expect, he doesn't look up to the scratch. And yes, Ten Hag plays again with the same 11. I can see Ajax struggling again in midweek. Um, I really hope he changes it. And Fad Van der Beek is out injured as well as so another blow. But I, I think he will make changes, I think. Mizrawi will probably come into midfield. Dest will play it right back. And hopefully, I'm hoping that Ziek replaces Van der Beek in the midfield and he either goes to a promise on the wing, Tadic in the middle, or brings Huntelaar into the side because I think Huntelaar has been excellent so far this season from the cameos from his bench. So he scored four goals. I'd like to see him get a start because I think he deserves it. I agree with all those suggestions, Mike, about uh, changing the Ajax system, playing Ziyech in the 10, um, giving Huntel our chance. Uh, all things I agree with. Um, but yeah, we still log ahead with Martinez in defence. Let's just see that what happens with that centre-back partnership, because it's changed so often already this season. And we haven't even seen the debut of Edson Alvarez, um, who is meant to be the replacement for Delict, that centre-back, that Mexican centre-back that we think will um, end up standing out this season. But yeah, he still hasn't um, received his debut. And at the minute, I think you've got to look at Perskurs to 
be put back in centre-back because even though, yes, he makes a mistake every now and again, he does have that passing ability which Martinez possesses. Um, but yeah, he's also physical and wins us aerial duels that at the minute, Martinez and Veltman together, it, it isn't working because it, it can be carnage in the box when, when a, a set piece is put in. Um, they're very small side acts and they also, it's evident when they put in a corner for the attacking end because no one can really attack them. There's, there's not enough height, not enough strength um, to win those aerial duels. But yet when they're playing on the floor, that is their strength. And of course, that's what I think we'll see Ajax through to the Champions League group stages in the end on Wednesday. Um, and yes, we had a couple of questions about Ajax's team. Um, I think, yeah, I agree with Mike. I think Ziyech should come into midfield to replace Van der Beek. Um, let's go on to talk about RZ. So they had a 1-1 draw with Antwerp on Thursday. Um, hopefully, again, they make it through to the group stages of the Europa League. But it's a very tough match to get through. Um, again, what did you think about the young talents that ours did have? They've got Stengs, they've got Bawadu, they've got Cote Miners. How did you think they performed on Thursday? I think they were frustrated. I think that you know, Antwerp are very experienced side. They've got some very very good players in that squad. And I think AZ overall had the better chances in the game. It's just a few of them were missed. Um, I know Stengs came close a few times. Bawadu came close a few times before he eventually Scored, I think the red card definitely played a part in AZ coming back into the game and getting a draw. And yeah, we said it before in the preview podcast that you know, Antwerp were no no mugs in this tie and it was really 50-50 and that's what it proved to be on Thursday. It's 50-50 and again, the return leg is going to be 50-50. I think the good news for AZ is because of these attacking talents that they have, the addresses, the Stengs and Bordeaux, they're perfect for a counter-attacking game. So if Antwerp try and open up a bit, which he didn't really do against them in the first leg, if they go on the attack, that opens up the space for AZ and that could really work to their advantage. Um, so I hope that, yeah, I hope that AZ can make it through on Thursday. It really just depends on them getting an away goal, which is they need now. But if they can hit them on a counter-attack, Bordeaux and Stengs can take their chances this time, then there's a chance. But yeah, Antwerp look a, a very decent side. They do, but so do RZ, and I think that they're going to show a lot of promise this season and fill, fulfil this potential that they have. Um, it's a small squad at the minute, but I think a couple more signings will be coming in to thicken that squad out, um, to give them that push for a top four, top three spot. Uh, and yeah, they're, they're in for a good season, but the stadium situation is going to hold them back, isn't it? We had a question from Rahul, actually, asking about the situation of the RZ stadium. I don't know what you've heard, Mike, but I did see one thing on Twitter which suggested that they were going to take off the, the roof, which, which has partly collapsed at, in Alkmaar. And so they could play in the, the stadium again by around Christmas time. And then what would happen is in the summer after, so at the end of the season, they would replace the roof and um, change the stadium a little bit and alter it for the start of the next season. So it's, it sounds like Arze could be without their stadium until Christmas. Yeah, that's my understanding of it. Yeah, it's going to take a while to get it playable again. It's going to be at least a few months. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a long-term job for them to try and get it, you know, completely fixed. And you know, it's a blow for the club because, you know, AZ have ambitions and this is money that they don't want to spend on you know, repairing a roof that could have been reinvested in other areas of the squad. And, you know, it's a shame for them and it's really going to hurt them because they're having to jump from stadium to stadium, which 
Hunter of Elby, you know, they started in Arden Hag Stadium and now the last one was played in Enschede for FC20 Stadium. You know, it's not ideal for the fans because on Thursday night, it could have been a, a really good European night in the AFA Stadion. They would have probably felt it, whereas they only took, I think it was 4,000 fans down to the Twente Stadium, which holds 30,000. So the atmosphere just wasn't there and that, that's going to hurt them. And these sort of ties and it's going to be tough because they're basically playing on neutral ground until they can get their stadium back. And that's it's not going to help them break into the top three. It's not going to help them if they do get through in this tie and in, into the Europa League group stages. I feel more sorry for the supporters here because, yeah, they're, they're, they're season ticket holders that can't make it across the country, especially if you're not in the best of health um, or a particularly young age. You're not going to be able to get around the country to watch your team play when you probably already paid good money for it. Uh, I, d I don't know what's going to keep happening as well. I think the squad are going to get exhausted by travelling around more than they should be. It's a novelty for the time being, going, going to play with Inardos and Twente Stadium. But that's not going to last. And I wonder for how long they can keep switching stadiums and who will give them the home more over the season. I wonder if they're going to end up back maybe in Ardo Stadium. It's a little bit closer, I think, than Enskede. Um What do you think about where Altmar is in the Netherlands? Um, yeah, but it's a tiff, tough rise, Ed, and it's a shame because they have such a, a promising young squad, uh, which uh, drew nil-nil with Froningen the other day, and it's it's just a matter of time, I think, before yeah we see more games like this where actually they're a bit frustrated. A bit, a bit exhausted because these young players are having to play game and game again. Next question, Mike, we had uh, was relating to the Eredivisie. Um, it's a very good one. It's from Jordan. He wants to know who the best signing in the Eredivisie this summer has been so far from what we've seen. Yeah, for me, it's, it's a difficult one because it's so early in the season. Some of these games I've only seen three or you know four times. Um, but there's some players that have stood out for me that I think I've been really good signing so far. And I've already mentioned them so far, but Martinez, Ajax, you know, I think eventually it'll be a top-class signing for him, whether that's a left-back or in midfield. But I think that he's a very good signing. And I think Ajax scouts have done a really good job there to notice him and bring him in. And I think eventually he'll be talked about in the same way that Tagliafico is, and then he'll be getting linked with moves to bigger clubs. Um, Number two, Nakamura at FC20 turned up as a bit of a reputation as one of the best young Japanese talents. And it was a bit of a surprise that FC20 managed to loan him. And you can see why, because I've been really impressed with him so far in their games. He's got a couple of goals, a couple of great goals. And I'm excited to watch him for the rest of the season. And the tests have been good so far. And I really like the fact that Bazor's in the midfield is getting another chance and seems to be taking it. And I've really enjoyed watching him play so far. I know he got that stupid red card in the first game. But I think he's really added something to that midfield, a bit of steel. And I really want to see him get back to his, his potential. Um, I think he can do that in Arnhem. I think if he gets the game time and gets the confidence, then we could see the, the player that we thought was there emerge. And yeah, so those three have been the signings so far. But then there's other signings that could eventually rise up, say, Bruma, PSV or... One's a fine idea you're about to talk about. Yeah, indeed. Um, there's a couple that I was thinking of, uh, but the one that's made an instant impact, and bear in mind he was a free transfer, 
uh, Leroy Fair coming in from Swansea because we saw it in the past loads for Twente how much of a bully of a midfielder he can be but also in the Premier League yeah he did get relegated a few times um, but not always his fault um, and when he's on form Fair is a great midfielder who's you can offer it all round but particularly with his work rate and his leadership he wins the ball back so well and he scored two goals the other day for Feyenoord as well which is going to help them qualify for the Europa League I think he's been an, a, a good signing for them I don't think it's the most imaginative of signings I think final scouting sometimes gets a bit of um, bit of criticism which he does deserve they've done it very far for their players but first been yeah a free transfer and already looks like a permanent fixture in this midfield um, he's rising above to the level he was kind of performing at before. When he was at Swansea, uh, there was a clause in his contract, a little bit like Luciano Narsing, who's also at Feyenoord now, where they weren't really allowed to play um, many more games for Swansea because they would have been owing more money to their previous clubs. So it ended up with the two of them being out of favour and losing match fitness, which they're now regaining with Feyenoord. Another one as well was uh, Villain Twaze permanent signing of Vangelis Pavlidis and I think that yeah there was we were saying what we might just before the podcast actually that does he count because he was on loan at Willem Tway last season but now he's signed permanently this summer I guess it does count as a, a signing and four goals in in theory only two games it was uh yeah he's looking like he'll be the answer in in, in for a striker for Willem Tway after they've lost Isaac um but also Franz Sol in the past yeah, he looks like the, the new guy up front. Um, another Eredivisie question was from an account called Stanley Cup Champion Grant. Will RKC um, Volvike survive this season? And so far on this evidence, I know before the season started, Mike, we both thought that RKC would finish bottom of the table. Um, one point from four games, still think the same? Yeah, they're not staying up. Um... I watched them against Ado Den Haag today and they were awful. Um, they had nothing. This Ado Den Haag side is awful as well and they managed to win 3 0 at RKC. Um, I think Dylan Vent is a good signing for them. I'd like to see him get some confidence and prove me wrong that he's going to be a top talent for Feyenoord. Um, but they only brought him off the bench, you know, like 12 minutes to go. Already losing 2 0. He couldn't really do much with that. I think that their squad looks weak, their defence looks very weak. They scored a really good goal against SC20 last week and um, they got him a draw. I think a lot of people saw that goal on Twitter and were impressed with it, saying, is this Barcelona or is it RKC? But, um, yeah, I mean, they can play some good football at times, but just defensively, they look a shambles and I can't see them staying up at all. No, neither do I. And there are a few poor teams in the area I think there's less poor teams than last season in the Dutch League. However, yeah, I think RKC um, are worse than than some of the teams that have been in here for a few years. Um, and yeah, that Ardo result kind of exemplifies it. The fact that they've lost to a particularly poor team, 3-0. Um, that doesn't look good for them. And I think ones that would stand out for me are Sparta and Twente that both come up and had really good promising starts for the season. Sparta in particular. But Twente also seem a solid side. They did hang on for a draw against Hayden Vane um, the other day. Uh, but yeah, I think they're in for a good season. Uh, I still think they'll be challenging for a top half position because they've got some good attacking players that seem to be taking the chances that they get. Spire Rotterdam for me, uh, 
I've raved about them on Twitter because they're, they're basically one of the best young sides to watch for me in the league. They've got so many young attacking tack, talents. They've just added Joel Perot on the one from PSV, the striker who's got a big reputation, signed a new contract this summer, even though Juventus are trying to get him for their under 23 side. I'm really excited to see him in the Eredivisie getting game time because he could be eventually the answer for Netherlands' striker problem in a few years' time. Um, then you talk about Dervisoglu, Harui, you've got Dante Rigo on the bench. There are so many youngsters that, that yeah, I just think that they're going to survive so easily. And I think even mid-table, even higher, because they've got a squad that is going to cause teams a lot of problems this season. One last thing I think we can talk about on this week's podcast is um, the rather raucous introduction of Lee Catamore's Dutch football. <laughs> he had a great debut, didn't he? He helped. Um, he came off the bench, helped Utrecht win. Uh, he- sorry, helped Feyenoord win two one at Utrecht. Yeah, he typical performance. Um, getting yellow card and tackling, and yeah, he he's just getting on players' backs, wasn't he? Elbows and faces, all sorts, and it's just it's just so refreshing for Dutch football, isn't it? To have not just a, you know a, a person from abroad coming to the league, but the fact that it's Lee Catamol. He's got his reputation of just being such a tough tackling midfielder. Yeah, um, he definitely put himself out when he came on. He was, yeah, I think he's going to end up being a crowd favourite in in Venlo. I can see the fans loving him because he he is just an all action tackler. Basically, he just runs into players, doesn't really care, just put his foot in. They got booked for a, a cheeky elbow today. Um, and yeah, I mean, he's a personality on the pitch and that can only be good for a club like VVV who don't have much money that they can attract a player like this who has so much experience and he's only going to help them going forward because I had VVV down as one of my favourites for, for relegation this season. But I think they've been impressive so far. They've got a couple of good youngsters coming through um, and with Lee Catamol to add some experience to their midfield, they could be, they could be all right. Yeah, I and one of those junctures you met, you were alluding to there, Catamore gave him a big pat on the back at half-time over at Lindhorst, 19 years old. He's one of the players I was thinking might stand out this season. If you haven't watched it yet, check out our YouTube channel. There's top 10 wonder kids to watch this season. I didn't include Lindhorst in that top 10, but I did give him a mention in the video because um, he's playing regular games with AVV and scoring goals. And with someone like Catamore, you might not want to learn too much about how to play football from Catamore. But if you've got someone who's a leader who can motivate him just to keep going and keep working hard, that's really important in the team. Yeah, I mean, he's only 19 years old, midfielder. They got him from the PSV Academy. There's uh, three goals already this season. And, you know, clubs like VVV aren't known for having you know, great academies and they don't really bring through a lot of young talents. But, yeah, he's an exciting one. And it could be a much better season for VVV than I predicted. Indeed. Mike, thanks very much for joining me on this week's podcast and we hope to have one out again next week. No worries. And hopefully, yeah, we'll have a good week ahead for Dutch teams in Europe and we get some more news ahead of the Netherlands games in September against Germany and Estonia. Until then, have a good time. Get it back up! Get it back up! There is he! Yeah! 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 There is he! Yeah! Yeah! There is Glasser! Goal!